if you go on to Google today and you type in the words new scramble for Africa, you will find dozens of news stories, research papers, and even books that have been written about a supposedly new scramble for the continent. And I came across an article on The Economist this week that captures, I think, quite well the um, part of the debate, part of this narrative, which is almost by definition uh, sort of implies that something negative and something sinister is happening. The new scramble, the scramble for Africa, historically, of course, was used to refer to or is used to refer to Europe's colonization of, of the continent in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Now, thankfully, we're not talking about anything along those lines uh, in the 21st century, but there is this emerging narrative that there's something sinister is happening. And uh, let me just get up the Economist article here, which, uh, which kind of ominously sets the scene. So the headline is, there's a new scramble for Africa, and then the strap line goes right in and says, foreign meddling is spreading chaos and tyranny. And it talks about how foreign influence has seldom been kind to Africa, uh, and it references the, the first scramble for Africa. It then talks about the Cold War, where, of course, we saw this uh, competition between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, where uh, many African countries were used as proxies. And, you know, and, and on neither occasion did it work out very well for Africa, to, to, to put it mildly. And if we fast forward to where we are today, according to The Economist, uh, seeing China's success, so we're talking here, we all know about China's investment in Africa, which pivoted to the continent at the turn of the century. It says that seeing China's success, other countries have followed. Turkey and India have held summits, etc., etc. And this here, I think, is, is the operative or one of the key sentences. This stampede has created opportunities for African countries in trade and investment, but economic and diplomatic jousting has since degenerated into proxy wars. All right, so fairly strong words there for, um, from the, by The Economist. Let's unpack this a little bit and let's try, let's have a bit of a discussion around this idea of a new scramble for Africa. And first, a, a bit of context. So the genesis of this, I would say, you know, this isn't really anything new. The genesis of this is, as I already mentioned, when China essentially decided to strategically pivot towards Africa at the turn of the century. We all kind of know the story of China and Africa. We know that that Beijing has poured billions upon billions of dollars into infrastructure development. Its influence has been steadily rising. And in more recent years, this has taken on uh, a more geopolitical dimension. This was already underway before the war in Ukraine and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, where there was growing uh, discourse, particularly in the U.S., about the need to counter Chinese influence in Africa, that the U.S. was somehow losing Africa to China. And it has really picked up in the last couple of years, I would say catalyzed by events in Ukraine. And now we have a fairly sort of straightforward global geopolitical split between the U.S. And, and Europe, you know, sometimes referred to as the collective West on the one hand, and then a sort of coalition of countries, if you want to call it that, at the center of which you find Russia and China on the other. And a lot of this is playing out in Africa. We've seen, particularly over the last 12 months, a real spike in this narrative, but also in the, the level of interest um, explicitly geared towards this geopolitical contest. Uh, on the continent. We've seen high-profile visits 
by U.S. officials, uh, Janet Yellen, Anthony Blinken. We've seen Sergei Lavrov visit the continent, and the, the you know the common thread has been this this geopolitical tension between the West and this you know axis of Russia, China, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that geopolitical tension is is definitely increasing. Yeah? So so the the question here then is are we seeing the return of great power competition in Africa? And I would say a worst case scenario of how you might look at this is that we're 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 at risk of returning to a kind of cold war scenario where African countries have to pick a camp um, where you know you have uh, where it becomes the scene of proxy wars, as the Economist suggests, and overall that this is a negative. It, it, this is this is a negative trend and very bad news for the continent. Now, I would say that I respectfully disagree with that analysis. That's not to dismiss the importance of the geopolitical trends that we're seeing, and especially the geopolitical tension that we're seeing in Africa and the geopolitical competition between the great powers. However, I would say that an important dynamic that has to be factored into any analysis of this is that the the growing geopolitical competition that we're seeing is of course symptomatic of this general global upending of the geopolitical order that we've all grown accustomed to in recent decades this has really been accelerated really accelerated over the last 2 years and there's now widespread talk that we're moving into a so-called multipolar world and a couple of things to say about this first when it comes to geopolitical tension yes it exists in Africa, but how is that any different from any other part of the world? It's not as though this rivalry is only playing out uh, on the continent. It's playing out in every part of the world. You go to Asia, you go to the Middle East, you go to South America, you go to Europe. Right? The geopolitical context is a global one, and it is a part and parcel of world affairs. We may not like it. It may have negative consequences. That is all true. And we have to be vigilant about that. African countries have to be vigilant about that and the potentially destabilizing effects, the potential uh, to undermine economic development on the continent. All of that is true. But all of that is true for other parts of the world as well. So there's nothing unique about what's happening in Africa. That's the first thing. But the second is that this idea of a multipolar world, uh, whether or not you subscribe to that idea, what many people or most people agree on is that the geopolitical order is shifting and it's changing. The power dynamics, the, 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 the political power dynamics, and very importantly, the economic uh, power dynamics are shifting. And within that, I would say that there's actually significant opportunity for Africa. And uh, something that I think really captures that opportunity is the BRICS. So we know that the BRICS have outgrown their roots as a, an acronym coined by the former Goldman Sachs economist, uh, Jim O'Neill. And it's now morphed into or increasingly is morphing into a very significant global economic force, principally economic, of course, diplomatically as well. But I would say that it is primarily in the sphere of economy that the BRICS are starting to come into their own. And if you cast your mind back to August of this year, South Africa, which is, of course, a member of the BRICS, hosted the uh, annual BRICS summit in Johannesburg. Well, we saw two things. One, we saw 
an example of the geopolitical tension and the and the great power politics or the great power game, if you wish, uh, play out there around the potential part, uh, participation of of Russian President Vladimir Putin and uh, whether or not South Africa would would act on the ICC arrest warrant on him and and. There were even accusations by the U.S. ambassador to South Africa that that uh, South Africa was supplying weapons to Russia, which, of course, uh, Pretoria has categorically denied. Uh, but it was a good illustration of, on the one hand, the potential or the pressure that 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 some African countries are invariably going to come under in this era of great power competition or renewed great power competition. But I think for me. The, the main takeaway is it also underlined the opportunities inherent in the emergence of a multipolar world order. The big announcement that came out of the summit, of course, was the addition of six new members. So more than doubling the size of the BRICS from Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, to now also include Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, and the United Arab Emirates. Now, for the purpose of this discussion, I think the the key takeaway here is that three members of the BRICS, which is fast becoming an economic powerhouse on the world stage, whatever we might think about it, uh, three of those members are now from Africa. So in principle, the continent has uh, a meaningful seat at the table of a group of countries that in one way or the other look set to play a very influential role in shaping the global economy. And in that, inherent in that, there must be a sense of opportunity. So a couple of things to say about that. Uh, and I would say the emphasis really ought to be on the this sort of transition into this multipolar world order. But but to get back to get back to to Africa and this idea of the new scramble. So what we've seen over the last couple of decades is a gradual increase in something that's now becoming a bit of a bit of a frenzy, if you want to call it that, of of countries internationally looking to the continent, looking to uh, to strengthen economic ties, principally with with African economies, looking to invest, and while part of that is the great power game, so the U.S. has has renewed its commitment to ramp up investment on the continent. Joe Biden hosted a big U.S. Africa Leaders Summit in Washington last December. China, of course, continues to ramp up its presence on the continent. The EU has come out and it has renewed its commitment to, to the continent. So, so the great power then, I mean, Russia, of course, is also looking to make new, renew its ties with the continent. So the great power dynamic is part of the picture, but it is only part of the picture. And it's important to remember that the group of countries or the, the, the nature of the interest in Africa is very diverse. And let's just run through a, a few few stats here and just a few examples to illustrate the point. First of all, we have a country like India. So China is not the only Asian country that is significantly ramping up economic ties with Africa. This is uh, trade volume between India and Africa as of last year, $102.6 billion. That's a lot. That's more than twice what the U.S. traded with Africa in 2021. I think it was around 45 billion. Right? So that's a huge amount of trade that's coming out of India. 
you have a place like Turkey, a country that you might you might not think of when when we talk about uh, Africa and its in and, and its international trade. But that country has increased its trade volumes over the last 20 years from just 5.4 billion to over 40 billion last year, coming close to the trade that Africa had with the U.S. in 2021. We have the return of Brazil. And here I'm just going to quickly share a tab. Uh, where is it? Here we go. So... This is President Lula, uh, who has, this was a few months ago, he spoke about how he wants to resume good and fruitful relations with Africa. And that's a reference to his first, uh, his first stint in office in the early 2000s, where he significantly ramped up economic engagement and cooperation between, uh, between Africa and Brazil. And I would say we can expect a return to that. And uh, very importantly, or, or more recent, a more recent entrance are the Gulf states. So they are making significant inroads uh, into Africa at the moment. And if you've been following the news recently, you'll know that there's just been uh, a big a big summit uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia. So I believe it's a sort of a Saudi, Saudi Africa summit or an Arab summit, Arab Africa summit, which was hosted in Saudi Arabia. There were all sorts of announcements that came out of that. Uh, including this one here. Let me just load up the tab. Where we have the Arab Coordination Group pledging $50 billion for African development. Right? Now, that's a significant sum of money. Incidentally, it's almost as much as the amount of money that China pledged, I believe, back it was 2018, to commit to uh, development and 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 uh, infrastructure projects across Africa. And we all know that China is, you know, the, or China is often sort of talked about as this kind of almost like all consuming force in Africa, that nothing happens in, in Africa that isn't somehow related to China, which I would say is, is, is simply not an accurate representation. Yes, China's influence is immense. There's no doubt about that, but it's not the only player. And uh, $50 billion being pledged here is quite significant. We also had announcements by Saudi Arabia talking about, uh, here we go, I've got the, there's an article here. Uh, here we go. Here's Saudi Arabia talking about its plans for Africa. And we, we see here that the Saudi Fund for Development will sign agreements worth 533 million with African countries. Okay, that may not sound that impressive, but if we go down here to this paragraph, we read that Saudi Investment Minister Khalid Al-Fali later said at the same conference, so this is the conference that took place just last week in Riyadh, that the kingdom's more than $700 billion wealth fund the Public Investment Fund will make some game-changing investments in Africa. Now, we don't know what those game-changing investments are, but I would be very surprised if we don't see some major announcements coming out of Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states in the coming months and years. Uh, and these aren't the only countries. Let's. There is, of course, also, there are the Nordics, and there's Norway as well. And here we have... Uh, here we go. Right here's uh, an an update from Norway. Norway is, of course, in the process of of 
developing uh, a new Africa strategy. And a, a, very a very important aspect of that is that here it says that um, the new strategy will emphasize the importance of trade and investments. Right? And I could go on. The point is that the, 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 the interest that's coming into Africa is very diverse. It's not just these great power blocks. It's not just the West versus China and Russia. If you go across any part of the world, you will find countries that are actively ramping up their, their strategic engagement with the continent. Uh, the, the significance of that, I would say, being that this isn't some sort of ideological showdown. This isn't some sort of you know, trend based on an ideology, based on some sort of, you know, insidious political objective um, that that's happening here. And and for me, the, the key takeaway here is that, you know, if there is a scramble for Africa, it's economic. No one's talking about, you know, invading African countries. There's no sort of, you know, foreign meddling, um, nowhere near. I mean, you know, like I'm I don't want to sound naive about this. You know, of course, countries are vying for influence, but we're not seeing anything that resembles what we saw during the Cold War, for example. And, you know, not to not to speak of the original scramble for Africa. I mean, we're, <laughs> thankfully, we're nowhere near anything that looks like that. Uh, it is primarily in the sphere of economics that this competition is taking place. And I don't really see how that is inherently a negative for africa now you know if you're if you're a good skeptic as am i um, as as i am you you might be saying okay but hang on here you know these countries they aren't going to africa uh, to develop the continent they're, they're not going there for the benefit of africa they're going there to represent their own interests and to that i would say i agree uh, but that should be obvious that should be a given Right? That's just the nature of world affairs. Countries don't build partnerships or engage economically or diplomatically with other countries simply out of the kindness of their heart, simply because they want to come and help you. Right? That's, not, that's simply not how it works. Of course, these countries are, are, are pursuing their own interests. They're looking to build their own influence. They're looking for their own commercial or economic or diplomatic advantage. Right? But that, again, is true of any kind of diplomatic or economic engagement that goes on around the world. There's nothing unique about that in Africa. And there's nothing new about that. Right? This, is, this, this should be self-evident, right? which raises what, for me, is the real question and the real challenge here. Africa needs to define its role. What I mean by that is... The opportunities in this emerging multipolar world order, let's call it that, for Africa, I would say are unprecedented. We've never been in a situation where there are more potential economic partners out there that can help support and drive development across the continent, whether it's in, in terms of financing, whether it's in terms of technology, human capital, governance, whether it's infrastructure development, basically everything that you need to, to drive successful economic development, you now have, you know, potentially dozens of, of, of partners out there, great, big and small, who are interested and ready to work with you. The challenge is... You need to define your role within this emerging 
multipolar world. You need to define your own interests and have a very clear understanding of what your interests are. So if you want to partner with China, go for it, but have a very clear idea of what you need to get out of that relationship. Right? Know your objectives, negotiate good deals, sign good deals, have a clear strategic goal in that partnership. Same goes if you want to partner with the U.S. Why not? Or maybe even both. Right? There's a thought. Right? This, you know, this isn't some sort of replay of the Cold War. And um, I think I have I have one more article here uh, that I that kind of really captures the essence of this. Let me just get this up on the screen. Uh, here we go. So this is from the conversation. Africa is being courted by China, Russia, and the U.S. Why the continent shouldn't pick sides? I couldn't agree more with the sentiment. This isn't an either-or. At least it shouldn't be. Now, there may be pressure on countries to adopt an either-or stance. But the realities of the world today are simply not as constraining and as rigid as they once were. Not as constraining and rigid as they were during the Cold War. The reality is that you can partner with different countries based on your interests. The key is you must know your interest. You must define your interest and you must push for that interest. Right? You can partner, but make sure that that partnership works for you as well as the other side. It's not up to the world to develop Africa. It's ultimately up to Africa to develop the continent. Right? And I'll just want to throw in there, you know, I said, if you want to partner with the U.S., do it. China, do it. Turkey, do it. India, do it. Norway, do it, right? Why not? Why not partner with Norway and the US or Turkey and, and Norway, etc., etc.? I think you get my point. So to, to conclude this, this short discussion about uh, this supposed new scramble for Africa, what I would say is really the emergence of a new world order. And uh, within that, Africa's role is being redefined, potentially redefined. I would say that there is huge opportunity out there. It's not going to realize itself. Um, I don't see well, I don't see this trend as being inherently negative, uh, inherently damaging to the continent. But of course, nothing is guaranteed. It's all about making sure that African governments and countries, and I can't stress this enough, have a clear understanding of what their interests are how to realize those interests and to partner with foreign with 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 countries internationally that are well suited to support those interests and in conclusion and this is a little bit ironic um i find it kind of interesting that while the economist in 2023 warns us about this insidious scramble for africa found this article from 2011, which also talks about the new scramble for Africa, but it says this time the winners could be Africans themselves. So I'm not sure what happened between 2018 and 2023 to change the economist's mind. Oh, sorry, actually 2019 uh, to change the economist's mind. But here it captures that essential point, right? Actually, there's a lot of opportunity for Africa and if the continent plays its hands right, there's no reason why this new scam scramble for Africa can't be good news for the continent. All right. That's where I'm going to leave it for this week. I uh, hope you 
I hope you found found that interesting. It's, it's a topic that no doubt we're going to be returning to in future podcasts. Uh, but uh, that's that's all I'm going to say on on this issue of the new scramble, the new multipolar world order that we're entering into for today. Uh, that's not our perspectives for this week. Thanks for watching. If you um, if you if you like this video, uh, feel free to subscribe, like, share, you know, the usual drill. And um, I will see you next week. Thank you.